0: Good morning, Grace. It is good to see, oh no, it was good to see everybody coming until somebody just walked through the door. It's good to see all of you this morning. Um, <laughs> uh, if you're visiting with us, we're, we're glad you're here. To, uh, and I did want to say it's good to see everybody this morning, but um, that changed just a moment ago. We are thankful to have you here this morning with us. Today is a different day, and I know what you're thinking. Well, that's not Thad Blunt up there. That, that is a very astute observation you just made. Now, you may be wondering, well, how in the world did they afford to, to bring Tom Brady in here today? Um, that was not a joke, but uh, for those of you that laughed, I will be saying a special prayer for you later. Point is, I'm not Tom Brady. I'm not Thad Blunt. I am Chris Laughlin. I'm one of the youth leaders here at Grace. And today, our, our youth ministry is called 412 Ministry. You'll see our logo behind me. And today, the youth ministry is going to be leading the service. So we're excited to do that, um, to be a part of the service today. Before we start, I would like to just throw out a plug. If, if you have a student, 7th through 12th grade, we would love to have the opportunity to, to torture them. On, uh, sorry, I misspoke, not torture, to invite them on Wednesday night. we meet right down the hall. Um, We have a good time. Corey Cooper leads the ministry. He uh, does a great job teaching. He'll be teaching here later this morning. I personally, if you don't know, I am what they call the encourager. Week after week after week, we have these teenagers. You know, they're teenagers. They come up to me downhearted, depressed, just in the dumps. And every week, I just have to put my hand on their shoulder, and I say, look, it's going to be okay. Things get worse way way worse and then and then i make them feel better by showing them a picture of thad blunt and for some reason they're like it could be worse I, it, it is amazing you show anybody a picture they're down in the, the dumps they you show them a picture of thad and, and they're automatically feeling better so thad should take that that he is he is also an encourager so that's good you know kudos to thad but Speaking of getting worse, let's just, let's just address the elephant in the room. It's been a tough year. 2020 has been a tough year for, for me, for my family, many of you. Uh, look, it's been rough on the world, right? But I feel like, I feel like, I could be wrong, I feel like we're rounding the curve where things are getting a little better. And I feel like I'm seeing glimpses of getting back to normal. And I'll just I can just reflect back on yesterday and look and say, well, Alabama beat that, their little brother pretty bad, so I feel like we're almost there. This, this feels right, and I'm not, I'm not trying to knock Auburn. I'm not, I, if any of you Auburn fans are here, somebody watch that guy. I'm not trying to, to knock on, I, I love Auburn. We should all love Auburn, but there's something to be said when the coach for Alabama looks at the schedule and says, okay, we're playing Auburn. I'll just sit at home and watch this game from my couch. That just it just feels right. So I feel like we're almost there. And I I'm not can I can I get a roll tie from you? No. You feel good. No, never, never. Thad was telling me earlier, he's like, he's he, he Thad's this big Arkansas fan. He would not give me a roll tie. And I can't help but get tickled because many people don't even know Arkansas has a football team. And it's I mean, it's quasi, it's not, it's, I think it's cheerleaders in uniforms, in in football uniforms, but, but Arkansas, their their coach apparently said, hey, we don't want to play Alabama next week, so LSU said, well, we just played Texas A&M, no, let's just go play Alabama, Texas A&M didn't beat us by much, so let's go play Alabama, so good, that was good thinking for your team there, George, I I think there's, they got a great chance, not really, if, if LSU beats Alabama next week, I won't be here, um, but let's be honest, Arkansas, Arkansas. They, their coach said, "We want to, we want to kind of level the playing field with Alabama, so we want to postpone that game for one or two centuries, and we feel like we'll be there by that point, because it, it'll be a while." Anyway, but Arkansas is good. Auburn's good. I am not here to make fun of Auburn. We all should be supporting our brethren, our, our fellow. University, They are a great university, and we should not make fun of them be- at all. Because without Auburn, the world would not have nearly as many jokes. It would be a much more serious place. And that's why I love Auburn. In fact, I thought in support of Auburn, I was going to come here this morning, and, and actually I was going to make fun of Alabama. I was. I, it was I, I'm like, I'm getting on that stage, I'm going to make fun of Alabama. And then I thought, well, I don't want anybody coming to my house and killing my trees, because Auburn fan, Alabama fans are known for that. And I'm not saying Alabama fans are psychotic. That goes without saying. I think we know that. We know that. And in fact, I don't want to wake up in, in my bed next to a bloody big owl head. Not, not again. Um, that is a traumatic event that my wife put me through once before. I, I know it, you, you may be thinking, well, your wife wouldn't do that to you. She's She's too sweet, if you know my wife. She is. She does put on a good face of being sweet, but she's a big Bama fan. You may not know that. In fact, she told me once, you better not ever get up in front of people and make fun of me or Alabama. So I can guarantee you all, she will never hear me do that. Never. And you may be thinking, well, she's right over there. She's going to hear you. People, we've been married for 20-something years. I don't really keep up, but we've been married a long time. And she's never listened to me before. Why would she listen to me now? I'm just saying. I, it's just a fact. Van's giving me a high five. Mm, Joyce isn't here. Some of my phone's going off. Okay. See, she's not listening to me. She's texting me as we speak. She's over there texting me. She says she wants to invite you all to be here next Friday for my funeral service. Okay. Okay. Didn't see that one coming. She's a good planner. But... We, we probably just want to change the subject, I think. So what I want to do is introduce you to our 412 leadership team, and as opposed to making them all walk up here, we've got a little video. Luke put this together when we started our uh, the, back in the fall for this school year, and, and it introduces our leadership team, so we thought we would just show that to you to let you know who we are. So that's our, that's our group. Um, I am thankful to work with that group, and, and we do want to extend it off uh, just to just let you know. We, we would love to have your student. If it's 7th through 12th grade, we have a good time on Wednesday nights. Like I say, Corey opens the Word every week, so it's, it's a good place to be. But Before we get started, um, we're going to read some scripture, and I just want to make a, an observation. This was Thanksgiving week, so I hope that you are here today with a thankful heart, as we, all, as we should every week. This week in particular is a good time to reflect back and make sure that we're thankful uh, you know, for me, family, and friends. Uh, I'm thankful for the youth ministry. I'm thankful for the, the leaders that I work with. And I'm certainly thankful for this church body and, mo- and, our, and the church leaders. And most importantly, I'm thankful uh, for, for the one that gave his life for my sins. And I hope you are as well. So let's, let's open the Word today. We're going to read some Scripture. We're going to open and read in Acts 2. So if you will, stand with me. And we'll we'll read Acts 2, starting in chapter, and in verse 36. It says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they, they were cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from, the, from, the perverse gener- from this perverse generation. Then those, who glad- then those who gladly received his word Were baptized, And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, as everyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and Father, faith, favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we, we, are, we come to you today just thankful, thankful to have this opportunity to celebrate Thanksgiving, but just having the opportunity to, to remember what we should be thankful for, which is your son, his life, his, his example on this earth. His death on the cross to save us from our sins. Not the ones he committed because he never sinned once, Lord. But we have all sinned. And uh, as, the body, as the Bible tells us, we've fallen short of the glory of God. So, Father, we thank you that Christ died on our, in our place. We thank you for today. We lift up this service and all that uh, and the worship music and the teaching. We're just thankful for all that could be here. And we just praise you in Christ's name. Amen.
1: morning. Um, if y'all will just remain standing as we praise our Father this morning. So...
2: Okay, cool. Thank you. Well, the first service, I held back on my jokes about Thad because I knew he'd be here. I kind of thought he wouldn't be here the second service, so I'm going to have to improvise. <laughs> now, <clears throat> I do know that many of y'all um, pray for our youth group, and I appreciate that. I do want to recognize some individuals who need extra prayer. That would be Sydney, that would be Sadie, be Jessica, Mary Kate, and Sarah. They rolled my house last night. (laughs) Saran wrapped my truck and wrote horrible things on the windows. Also, I don't know that y'all know this, but you're only supposed to roll trees when Auburn wins, <laughs> not when they lose. Oh, goodness. Anyways, <clears throat> we will uh, be going through the book of Acts today, the whole book. This is going to be a long day. Um, as I had been told um, several months back that uh, I, I would be we were going to have a 412 ministry, youth-led service, um, which, by the way, thank y'all to the leadership of the church who allow young people to serve. Um, I think that's awesome. So anyways, um, just a little shout out to y'all. But I was really started praying, okay, Lord, what would you have me teach? What would you have me go through? And it kind of became clear several weeks ago that it would be what kind of has been on my heart for the last um, year and a half, maybe. And it's this topic of the church and what we should look like. And so I'm, just so you know, I'm an analytical person. I tend to analyze stuff, analyze stuff about myself, maybe stuff about others. And my analysis on the church as a whole, not this local body, but the whole church um, isn't good, quite honestly. Um, I'm very upset. I'm very concerned. And so I was thinking through that, and I tend, admittedly, to focus on negative stuff. And so as I was looking through that, I was you know, identifying all these areas where the church as a whole is just miserably failing. And the Lord kind of shifted my focus a little bit to what should it actually look like. Okay, you, you, we see some stuff. I know we all have things. When we think of the church, we can think of good things, bad things. Um, but I think the Lord was kind of shifting my focus towards, okay, dummy, just don't focus on the negative stuff all the time. Focus on some good stuff. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, verses 40 through 42. Uh, Chris read a little bit more um, to give us some context of this passage but that's where our focus is going to be on those couple of verses and the hope is that we can see what the church should look like what we should look like and so uh, typically when you think of the church you think of a building church we're in here i thought it might be appropriate to show you all the church i grew up in many of y'all um went to for years the one on old springville road and you can see the outside of the church on the bottom picture and the inside of the sanctuary on the top And, you know, some things that I think of when I think of that church is I think of the vacant parking lot up behind the church that uh, we used a couple times a year and had the basketball goal, had a lot of missed shots up there because I'm not good at basketball. And uh, I could, strangely enough, I could throw a football in the net better than I could throw the basketball into the net. It's weird, but it is what it is. So the, I think of the hill in front uh, that I thankfully didn't spend too much time weed eating but I did weed eat it a couple of times, enough to be thankful we don't have that hill here. And um, so think about that. And I think of inside the church, I think of the uh, beam that was in the middle, and uh, kind of miss it, strangely enough. So those are some things that I think of when I think of the church. But what I want to communicate is that's not what we're going to focus on. Uh, we're going to focus on the actual church, not the building, okay? So I want to make sure we understand the difference here. We're not talking about a building, brick-and-mortar building here. We're going to be talking about The church is born-again believers in Christ. The church is the body of Christ. And the church is the bride of Christ. So those are the things that we want to focus on and take into consideration. And before we move any further, I would like to uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I am grateful for who you are. Lord, I'm thankful for my salvation. I'm thankful that you saved me and you continue to chip away at who I am. Lord, and you're inserting yourself. You're not leaving it vacant. Father, I'm thankful that I can have confident assurance that you're in control of everything. Lord, it gave me great peace preparing for this study, preparing for this morning. Lord, I'm thankful for um, keeping me protected, for guiding my steps in, in your word. Father, protect me now. Lord, help me to be focused. Help me to say the right things regarding your word. If it's not right, don't let me say it. Father, I need your protection, I need your strength, I need you. Lord, thank you that I can depend on you. It's in your truly holy, holy, holy name that I pray. Amen. <clears throat> All right, so to get some context, I think that's always a good thing to do when you're just diving into a certain area. So to get some context here, um, the very beginning of Acts chapter 2, you have the Holy Spirit comes down to earth and dwells men. Um, you see that they had language barriers, some of them g- spoke Greek, some of them spoke Hebrew, Aramaic, whatever, um, and you would not, they would not have understood each other. And in this moment, when the Holy Spirit comes down, those language barriers are done away with. And it clearly says that in 6 through 13, they're astonished at this fact. It's like, oh my gosh, I can understand you, what is happening? Uh, so the Holy Spirit is performing a, a miracle here. You get into Peter's sermon through these verses, You get the crowd's response, the people who were listening to the sermon. You see their response, and then you see Peter's response to their response. Okay, so Peter gives a sermon, crowd responds to the sermon, and then Peter responds to their response. And then what I've titled Salvation and Sanctification. We're going to see some of these people get saved, and we're going to see some of that sanctification process take place. All right, so let's dive into Acts chapter 2, verse 40 through 42. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and in in prayers. So the first thing that kind of hit me was Peter's sermon consisted of more than what we just have written here. Okay? I don't know what it consisted of. I uh, wasn't there. wasn't listening. I'm not going to speculate. But I know that Scripture clearly says that there was more spoken in his sermon than what we have right here. But we have what God intended us to have, so we're going to look at that. This be saved, it's salvation from eternal death, sin, and the punishment and misery which is consequent to sin. It's to save from the punitive wrath of God at the judgment of the last day. And so I tend to ask a lot of questions when I'm going through my studies. And so my original question to this was, okay, well, what's sin and why such wrath? I mean, this wrath picture seems pretty massive to me. Um, and so my mind goes, okay, well, why? And I think that's twofold. We're going to look at the word perverse, and that's going to answer some of that for us. But I think it also has to do with what we sang about earlier. God is holy, holy, holy. One sin, and he is holy, holy, holy. He is going to have wrath, okay? So I think it's important for us to understand that we're dealing not with like a Buddhist god or anything like that. We're dealing with the God, the God. No rival, no equal. So that's a whole other conversation. Thad can preach on that at a later date, but um, I think it's worth noting. All right, so what sin and why such wrath? Well, let's look at the word perverse. This word is figurative language, okay? figurative language, and it means wicked or crooked. Wicked or crooked. So, what made this generation perverse? The answer is sin. Their sin did. Specifically, the specific sin that I think Peter's talking about here is in verse 36. They crucified Christ. Chris read it earlier, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. All right, this sin, this wrath is happening because they crucified Jesus Christ. Okay, and before you're like me and you're like, yep, that's a bad thing, don't do that. Um, we did it too. Okay, Romans 5:8, we'll look at that here in a second. Romans 5:8, says. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So if you've sinned, you have a part in this crucifixion. Okay, I have a part in this. So I know, like I said, I'm very quick to like, hey, you, you did bad. Don't do that again, but this is me too. I'm having to look inside myself here. So we see from Acts chapter 2 verse 40 that we, like these people, have a serious need for salvation. Okay. So if you're part of the church, you at one point had a serious need for salvation. Okay? If you're not part of the church, you currently have a serious need for salvation. Okay? Acts 2:41 Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. This term for baptized is to baptize or immerse in or wash with water in token of purification from sin and spiritual pollution. They did this out of obedience, okay? You see in verse 37, Peter goes, hey, you crucified Christ, and the response is, all right, what shall we do? We see that in 37. Okay, we crucified him, what shall we do now? Peter's response in 38, then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, so we see this, this um, then those who gladly received his word. There's that, that salvation piece, and we're seeing this obedience piece in baptism. Two separate things. Baptism does not save you, it's just a public act of your salvation. And it says, whoops, I did it again. I did this last service. Help. Oh, cool. Do I need to let y'all do something, or can I just keep clicking? This is why you don't let rookies do this. All right, so 3,000 souls were added. This is extreme church growth, okay, extreme church growth. I've uh, not knowingly been a part of seeing 3,000 people get saved. I definitely have not been a part of seeing 3,000 people be baptized, so that would have been an amazing experience, Um, just a glorious thing. But what I do know is Scripture says that in this moment, three thousand souls were added. Okay, Acts two forty two, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread, and in prayers. This term for continued is a really cool term. Uh, so it depicts that they were already doing it, and they remained doing it. Okay, so this is something that they had been doing. Back it up. Peter gives a sermon. He's giving doctrine. They're listening. They respond. They were doing it. And now we see that they get saved, they get baptized, and they don't stop. They continue in the apostles' doctrine. Okay, this continued steadfastly is even better. All right, this guy, Richard Longenecker, said steadfast and single minded fidelity to a certain course of action. That's what this is really communicating. And I told the first service, I'll tell y'all again, uh, typically when you are going to throw a name of somebody out there, you should know that that person's pretty sound. Uh, I have no clue about this guy, okay? I did some research, couldn't find anything about what he believed, why he believed it, so if, like, be careful if you're going to research who this individual is. I'm not telling you he knows the gospel or gospel truth. I'm just telling you that this one statement was sound, okay? So just be careful with that. Again, I tried. If you find something out there, you can teach me how you got it, because I couldn't find it. So, anyways, Acts 2.42, doctrine. This is teaching or instruction. Teaching or instruction. Okay, so they were continuing steadfastly. That term for fidelity is really faithfulness. Okay, so when we were reading this, they had this single-minded, this focused, this faithful approach to Scripture. That's what teaching and instruction is. It's, it's Scripture. So the question becomes, are we continuing steadfastly in Scripture? And I think that as we go through these, there's four things we're going to really look at. As we go through them, I think that there's a couple of ways that we need to think about these. We need to think about them as individuals. Are we doing this as individuals? But we also need to think about it as, are we doing this as a corporate church? Okay, so not just a local church here, but Think bigger. All the believers on earth right now, are we doing this together? And so obviously we're limited in some of that capacity, but I think that we need to look at it in both, both ways. So that's what I did as I'm looking through these. I'm like, oh, because when I go through doctrine, I'm like, sure, I teach doctrine. Of course I study it. But then when I hit the continued steadfastly this, am I focused? Is it single-minded? Am I faithful to it? oh, uh, there's the rub. So this isn't just a casual approach to God's word. This is an intense, intentional approach to God's word. Fellowship. This is used of an intimate bond of fellowship which unites Christians. I'm going to be honest with you all. This is the one I have the most issue with, both personally and as a church as a whole. Um, I don't like the term "intimate bond" because it takes it to another level, a level that I don't feel like we hit often um, as a church. If it wasn't for that, I might could give us a pass. But that intimate bond there is difficult, um, and I'm going to tell you that I think that we, as a church as a whole, uh, again not local body, but as a whole, have failed miserably in this area. I think that there are really important issues out there that aren't as important as scripture or as fellowship or as the Lord's Supper or as prayers. Um, there just isn't. Social issues, ethical issues, um, just things out there. I'm not telling you that those aren't important. I mean, for me personally, the election, like I care about who my president's going to be, but it shouldn't trump scripture. I did it again. I didn't mean to do that. Um, I've put no pun intended on, ah, uh, anyways, um, it should not trump scripture, okay? Like, it, it, this is, is important. I'm not telling you that the president of the United States is not important at all. I'm just telling you that that should fall well below our priority in scripture, our priority to fellowship with one another. That should not hurt our fellowship. Amen. Agendas, issues, anything, that this world wants to throw at us should not impact our fellowship. And all too often I see that it does. And I think honestly that Satan is just having a filled day with these important things that really aren't that important. Okay, so that, that's kind of a, that was a personal challenge to me. Um, I was talking to Jerry after the first service, Jerry Peterson, telling him some of the issues that I've had um, in fellowship. And guys, I'm not telling you I'm perfect. I'm just telling you that I'm looking at this going, we are failing and that's me too. And we've got to do a better job of this. We've got to. So are we continuing steadfastly in fellowship? Again, single-minded, focused, faithful. This breaking of bread is a reference to the Lord's Supper. It's a reference to the Lord's Supper. One of the biggest things that we do with the Lord's Supper is to remember Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. And I think that this can really play a crucial role in how effective we are in continuing in the Lord's doctrine in, uh, in Scripture and continuing in fellowship in the Lord's Supper itself and then also in prayers. I know that me personally, as I go through the Lord's Supper and I'm thinking about what Jesus Christ has done for me, it's a little bit easier for me to get in Scripture. It's a little bit easier for me to fellowship with those who are doing the same thing. Who are going, my goodness, I'm a wretch, and look at what Christ has done. I don't know how often we do it a year, three or four times a year that we take the Lord's Supper here as a church. Uh, I think we do a good job of continuing steadfastly in that. Are we doing that every day, though? And I don't mean just drinking grape juice and eating bread. I mean, are we remembering what Christ has done for us as individuals every day? Every stinking day. We're waking up going, Lord, thank you for what you've done. Like, I see what you've done. I know in my life I can see the Lord working. And I know that's weird to say, but, I mean, I'm an awful individual. And so when I can see any good that comes out of it, I'm like, man, God, you're awesome. How you can take this and do something like that? That's awesome. It's definitely not me. I only, only do bad stuff. All right, are we continuing steadfastly in the Lord's Supper? Is that something we're doing? Again, single-minded, focused, faithful. And are we doing that with prayers? I think that um, our prayers, that address to God peace, means it should be God focused. Um, There's a time and a place to go to God for things. Um, I've done that plenty. But I think this is really gearing towards not bringing a Christmas list to Santa Claus and saying, do these things, please. This is more of a, oh my gosh, you're awesome. Like, you are so awesome. And it should be this God-focused prayers. Okay? And so, as we're going to Him, is this something that we're doing single-minded? Are we focused in our prayers? Guys, I've, I've grown up, um, focusing on one thing was, like, not gonna happen. Just wasn't. Now, it's still difficult. Like, I'm, I usually focus on about 15 different things, and I do half of each of them, and that's kind of how I live my life. Um, like, last night, Megan sends me a text. I'd I was like, hey, uh, do you need help doing the laundry? And she's like, yeah, that'd be great if you could do it. So I went downstairs to finish watching the football game. And she sends me a text. She's like, were you going to do the laundry? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I was. Like, I had the intention to do it. I just didn't, forgot to do it. So I wasn't focused. Like, it, it, you've got to be focused on this stuff. Christy is laughing at me. What should the church look like? The church should continue steadfastly in doctrine. The church should continue steadfastly in doctrine. The church should continue steadfastly, f- steadfastly in fellowship. The church should continue steadfastly in the Lord's Supper. And the church should continue steadfastly in prayer. Guys, these aren't options. This isn't up for negotiation, negotiable things. Like we, we have to do these things. These things will not only impact our lives, but it will impact others, okay? Look, it it says it right here, Uh, verse 46 of chapter 2. So continuing daily, there we go again, continuing, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. I see joy praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. On an individual level, I see joy, I see gladness, I see simplicity of heart. Those are things that sound good to me. I don't know if that sounds good to you, but that sounds good to me. So if I do these things, I can, I can have this. Here, how it affects others... They had favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily to those who were being saved. This is evangelism. Continuing steadfastly in doctrine, continuing steadfastly in fellowship, continuing steadfastly in the Lord's Supper, continuing steadfastly in prayer, it can literally impact somebody else's salvation. I mean, that's awesome. I never, ever, ever would have thought that until I'm reading this and studying and I'm like, God, you're awesome. Guys, it is going to look weird, too. I mean, think about it. Think of all the issues of the day, the the important things that we're bombarded with on a daily basis, the decisions we have to make. Think if we had true, intimate fellowship with each other. Think of how weird that would look to those that are not a part of the church. I can definitely see where it can impact. How does this happen? So we see it has to happen, but how does this happen? First and foremost, you must be saved. Author of Acts did not start in, they continued. He started with their salvation. Their salvation happened. So you have to be saved. If you're going to do these things, you've got to be saved. You must live a life of obedience. When we're hit with these things and we we have that choice to make, okay, am I going to obey or disobey? You choose to obey. You do the obedience piece. And the focus must be right. It was really cool. Um, I give all glory to God. As I was walking up the first service, um, last night, this is a true story, last night I was praying after the games, not because Auburn lost, I was praying after the games, and I was like, Lord, I've got my um, beginning illustration, I don't have my closing illustration, help me. And then I took a shower, and then I got rolled, and so I had to go clean up the rolling mess looking at y'all, and I woke up this morning, and I was still like, okay, I don't have anything to close on. I mean, I can close like this. That's great, but I mean, I'm praying, Lord, just give me something, and I literally, I like, kid you not, my feet hit the stage, and the Lord's like, this is what you're using, so it was awesome, like truly awesome, um, so I just want to give the Lord to God, like publicly for that, but um, focus. Guys, when I was growing up, I loved baseball. Like, I still love baseball, one of my bucket dreams, thing, bucket list things, is to go to every major league baseball stadium in America. Like I love baseball. Okay. So growing up, I was—I would say I was a, pretty good. Um, I wasn't the best player, but I, I probably was pretty close growing up with those around me. And Dad always told me, "You've gotta, you've gotta work hard for whatever you're gonna get. Gotta work hard." So growing up, we lived in a house that was white. So I thought. What I need to do, because you know people don't love baseball as much as me, and so they don't want to throw the ball as much as I do, what I thought was I would just paint a circle on the side of the house so I could throw the ball up against it. So I chose black spray paint, and I painted a circle about that big, and um, for whatever reason, Mom and Dad were not happy at all. They were not happy, and, uh, and I would take that ball and I would throw it up against that circle, like just constantly. I mean, hours and hours. And I was focused. I was focused on honing in my craft. Right. And as I'm throwing that ball, sometimes it hit the mark, I'd hit that circle, and sometimes I wouldn't. This is going to be the same thing. As we focus on being, continuing steadfastly in Scripture, in breaking of bread, in fellowship, in prayers, there's going to be times where we hit the mark. We're, We're doing good. And there's going to be times where we miss the mark. The good news is, is that unlike throwing a baseball and you get a weird bounce back to you, when you miss the mark with God, it's okay. Like, he is faithful to forgive. And I just love that about God. His forgiveness is incredible. And so my challenge is that as we're doing these things, this isn't, we're not trying to be perfect here. All right, we're not doing these things for salvation. If you're part of the church, you've already been saved. You will not impact your salvation. It's already done. We're doing this out of obedience. We're doing it because our God, our Father, has put it in Scripture and said, do it. That's why we're doing it. And there's going to be times where we miss that mark, and it's, it's okay. I mean, it's not okay, but it's okay. He's going to forgive us. He is faithful. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I am so thankful for who you are. Father, you were so good. I mean, little things, just little things like giving me a closing illustration. You were intimately involved in our lives. Lord, you're awesome. Lord, I, I see this picture here, and I look at these things, and I see how much failure I have in my life in and, and all of these areas. And God, you're, you're just, you forgive. Lord, you're, you're, you're just amazing. Father, I pray that you would help us to take these things to really look into them to evaluate our lives to see where we need improvement to seek you for that improvement and to improve Father we can't do this alone you've got to be a part of every step and it's only in you and in your power that we'll make these steps Father thank you for being a relational God You didn't save me and then leave. You saved me and you continue to chip away at me and insert yourself. Thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for your holiness. And you truly are holy, holy, holy. Father, I pray that our worship would be pleasing, it would be satisfying to you, it would bring you glory and it would bring you honor. Lord, tune our hearts to you. It's in your perfect and awesome name that I pray. Amen.
1: If y'all stand as we close with this last song.
3: guys leading us today. Um, thank you for doing that. You did a great job. Didn't they do a great job? A great job. Um, that's just a little taste of Wednesday night and what the young people experience and and we're thankful for our youth leaders for all of them. Uh, they do a wonderful job with our youth ministry here at Grace. We really appreciate all that they do and I know the young people do. They appreciate Corey so much that they rolled his house. I hope that's the first of many times really because when I was doing youth ministry they rolled my house over and over and over again. I had a neighbor who said "Dad, somebody really doesn't like you and I'm like well it's kind of the opposite and he's like what? You know trying to explain to him that was their affirmation of me but um anyway um That'll be one of many times. I would encourage you, youth, you know, whenever it's nice and clear, get out there and roll his house. I thought he said from the pulpit that he cleaned it. (laughs) All right, we appreciate Corey and uh, his faithfulness to the Word. Um, I know that every Wednesday night, those young people are going to get the Word of God, and that's wonderful to know that and have that uh, assurance. Uh, We really appreciate your ministry and those that uh, surround you in that. Uh, I know it's special, too, for Corey to have his grandparents here uh, this morning. They're on the front row here, uh, Charles and and Glenda and uh, Ronnie and Barbara. We really appreciate you guys being here this morning. And uh, Malcolm and Wendy were here first service, and when he got to the story about the baseball he inserted something a little different. In fact, he left it out the second service. Uh, his mom, let, let's just say his mom would come outside and encourage him not to throw the ball against the house. And, <laughs> and if you know Wendy, I'm sure it was strong encouragement. So, uh, But we do appreciate um, you guys being here today and being a part of the service and seeing your grandson uh, preach and teach the Word of God. What a blessing that is. Uh, So thank you guys for making that effort to be here. Also, uh, this morning I wanted to mention that um, Tuesday mornings, the men have Bible study typically, and um, they're going to stop and pause that for right now, and they'll be back to that after the first of the year. So if you're involved in that or would like to be involved in the men's Bible study on Tuesday mornings, um, that will start again after uh, the first of the year, all right? Um, anybody else have any other announcements or anything they want to say before we leave today you're going to get to the restaurant earlier than you ever have <laughs> and you know that right you're glaring at me you know that so um, we just uh, again thank thank the youth so much for um, their participation this morning in leading us into worship All right. so let's stand let's close our time in a word of prayer Lord, as um, we were encouraged in the Word today to remember teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer, we're mindful of the fact that we have your full revelation, and so you hold us uh, tremendously accountable to the things you've given us, and I pray that we would uh, be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. I pray that you would keep us mindful of the fellowship that we can enjoy with you every day uh, and the fellowship that we enjoy with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, Lord, we just, all these different reminders for us this morning, things we've probably heard many times, I pray that they would penetrate our hearts and our minds and that we would focus in on how imperative it is uh, to set the example as the church. Uh, Lord, you tell us in your word in Matthew that um, the gates of hell will not prevail against your church. And so you're continuing to build your church, and we're thankful for that. And I pray that, um, Lord, as we see people come to Christ, that we would encourage them in their faith. And I pray uh, today, Lord, that if there's anyone in this room that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, that today... Indeed, today could be that day of salvation. We thank you so much for the youth and their leadership here at Grace. And we just continue to pray for the youth leaders as they oversee the ministry. And we pray, Lord, that we would come alongside of them and encourage them and support them for your honor and for your glory. And we make our prayer in the name of Christ. Amen. You are dismissed.